Welcome to The Wood Podcast, where we explore solutions to some of the world's most critical challenges in energy and the built environment. I'm your host, Amy West. Thank you for joining the first episode in our energy security series, where we will discuss how autonomous operations is transforming maintenance and optimization. We'll explore how this technology translates into an industrial environment, how it can drive more sustainable operations, and why energy leaders around the world should stop to pay attention. Today, I'm joined by Nicholas Pearson, Vice President of U.S. North and West Regions in Operations Americas at Wood. He's dialing in today from Sheridan, Wyoming, the birthplace of this exciting new technology we'll be discussing. Richard Clark, Chief Technology Officer at ExploraBot, also joins us today. He's based out of Houston, Texas, but is tuning in today from St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, the future frontier for autonomous operations. Sitting with Richard in St. John's today is Oleg Mikolov, co-founder and CEO of ExploraBot from San Francisco, California. Thank you all for participating in today's discussion. Autonomous operations is a trendy phrase being used across industries right now, but what does it actually mean? Nicholas, let's start with you. Uh, Well, simply put, um, autonomous operations is about utilizing the latest available fit-for-purpose technology uh, implemented in a way that removes the need for human intervention. So, you know, specific to the work that we've done around autonomous inspection, Uh, The fit-for-purpose technology is high-resolution sensor capture technology uh, mounted on ground or aerial-based robotics that uh, navigate, collect data, process data, analyze data, uh, and ultimately, you know, report anomalies autonomously. Richard, how does this technology translate into an industrial environment, and where is it being applied today? Um, Okay, so... um... The way the technology works is um, that we have either robots or drones at the moment that carry um, various different sensors. Um, So typically we're using um, visual cameras, thermal cameras. We have high frequency and low frequency microphones. Um, And then we have several different sensors um, for detecting um, methane emissions and so forth. Um, But essentially, you could add any different type of remote sensing um, technology that you want onto the the robot if it's able to physically carry it. Um, So I'll I'll, I'll focus on robots, but it could be drones as well. Um, The the robots go around the sites that um, we need to inspect, um, and they are completely autonomous. Um, We monitor them remotely. Um, but the robots themselves are basically in charge of going around a path that's been predefined. If they are obstacles, they're smart enough to avoid them. Um, if there is an issue where they're completely stuck, then they can actually radio back and then have some, they stop, and then they radio back and have someone um, give them instructions on what to do. So, for example, an operator could use a joystick to then move them around an obstacle and so forth. Um, Once the data has been acquired by the robot, the robot goes back to um, its garage or or doghouse, goes onto a docking station, 
um, and then it is recharging its batteries. While it's doing that, the data is downloaded to a computer um, in the doghouse, um, so everything stays on site. Um, down, the data is downloaded, and then it's processed there in the doghouse itself. Um, as part of the, the, the processing, um, we build a 3D model of the site up front, um, and then we take all of the, the data from the various different sensors, um, and then we project that data onto the 3D model. Um, once we've done that, we're actually condensing down um, the data enormously. So for a typical inspection, we're looking at sort of 10 to 15 gigabytes of raw data. Once we've processed it, projected everything onto this model, um, there's a huge amount of compression and we end up with sort of several tens of megabytes in terms of the data that we then need to upload to the, to the customer. Um, that once the processing is finished, currently that's taking several hours, but I think um, probably by next year it will be um, close to being real time. Um, that model is then uploaded to a, a server um, and then a notification is sent to um, the clients and they can receive that 3D model um, on their, their phone or on a tablet and so on. Um, so in that way, an engineer that is on site or somebody that is remote can look at the same data and interpret it and decide if any action needs to be done immediately or if it can be scheduled for later and so forth. Um, you asked where is it being applied today. Um, we have um, we we have done projects in um, several states, so in oh, North America, so Texas, um, Colorado, uh, and Wyoming. Um, it's being used in um, uh, activated coal plant. In, we've used this in a gas processing plant, and then we've used it around several um, drill rigs as well. Nicholas, can you tell us about how the pilot in Wyoming evolved and what came out of the program? Yeah, so, you know, we've we've run a few pilot programs in Wyoming uh, related to autonomous inspection uh, in in the routine operations and maintenance space. The the concept that the combined wood Explorerbot team had was to implement, you know, this technology on routine critical equipment routes in the place of uh, a human inspection resource. So the you know the hope was to be able to collect high resolution you know, visual, thermal, acoustic, and gas sensing uh, data utilizing a you know a ground or an aerial based robot that could navigate uh, an inspection route autonomously and could then you know efficiently uh, process, analyze, and report anomalies using time series analysis comparisons. Um, you know, an anomaly, if it, if it was flagged, would then uh, be communicated to, you know, operations through either, you know, a mobile application or an existing, you know, CMMS uh, type system. Uh, and then, you know, once approved, you know, a human would respond to the equipment and assess uh, the anomaly. Uh, you know, a tremendous amount of work uh, has gone into the pilot uh, stage of this uh, technology, uh, but uh, you know, the team, uh, you know, has been able to successfully prove the concept, which is really exciting. Oleg, how is autonomous operations being applied across the industry as a whole? And what are some other applications of this technology? There are 
now six different vendors in the industry that provide uh, autonomous robotics systems that can be uh, deployed in a plant or a platform. And um, a number of oil and gas companies has acquired those robots and um, you know brought them into the facilities in the pilot mode. But uh, very few have gone beyond just a promotional YouTube video that, hi, we have a robot. The important part of the fully autonomous solution is not only just, hey, I have a, I have a wheeled or legged system that is moving through the plant and not bumping into objects, but actually defining what are the specific tasks that the robot can do that replace the need for a human to go in there, whether it's a high-resolution inspection, verification of uh, you know, equipment being in order, absence of leaks, and actually designing the autonomous flow for the data to be uh, transferred from the robot into the computer that does the analysis, and then onwards, the results being transferred to the uh, maintenance and inspection experts to actually either validate that there's no issue or review the issue and decide on the course of the event, uh, of the uh, maintenance or repairs that need to be taken place. So um, what where the Wood Explorerbot partnership is unique is us being able to provide a fully autonomous solution that includes the data transmission, data analysis, anomaly identification and reporting. Um, our use cases, as Nick has described, are for for operations and inspections. But what we're finding that uh, the current focus on sustainability that is very important for the industry is driving a lot of the demand from our customers for specifically for methane leak detection. And whether it's reduction of um, the emissions or being able to monetize them through methane credits, there is a very, very high interest right now from multiple clients of Wood and Explorerbot to uh, sustainability uh, solutions that we can provide. Nicholas, how can autonomous operations help reduce methane emissions and support sustainable plant, facility, and asset functionality? You know, it, it brings a multi-dimensional uh, approach to inspection with the ability to inspect on a on a high frequency. So, I mean, it, it can be on you know whatever frequency is necessary, you know, at, at a plant or a facility. Um, you know, multiple sensors you know, have the ability to detect possible problems that um, either are or could lead uh, to leaks in infrastructure, uh, which, you know, increases uh, the reaction time of operations to ensure that those, you know, leaks get repaired efficiently. Richard, what other benefits do you see from autonomous operations in the field today? Um, so I'd like to focus just on two. Um, so I have a colleague that has often asked, um, what is it that your product does that sort of goes beyond the human um, capabilities? So if you think about the current way that we're doing inspections, it's basically somebody with a clipboard that goes around and they're looking visually um, at the, the site. 98% um, of the time, those inspections are just, it's a tick in a box that says everything looks fine, it's just the same as yesterday. Um, so obviously, one advantage is the robots don't get tired. If you're doing the same thing 100 times and 98 times it's the same, it's pretty boring. 
Um, so there's also always the possibility that the human will just won't notice things because it's just always the same. It's repetitive. Um, so robots, they don't mind that. We design them to do the same things again and again. Um, and then the other thing that kind of goes beyond the human capability is the software is able to remember what the sites look like, what the data looked like yesterday and last month and last year and so on. Um, so an operator walking around would see a little bit of rust somewhere, but that rust was there yesterday and the day before, so they don't pay attention. Um, with the robot and our software, it can compare that image or that model with a month ago, with six months ago, and start to see where we've got parts of the equipment that might be rusting or changing faster than others. And so then you can concentrate your, um, your attention on the parts of the equipment that, that need it. Richard brings up a great point on how people are involved and compare to robots in these maintenance situations. Nicholas, can you shed more light on how people are involved in the process? Does autonomous operations effectively replace people with robots? Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't replace people. Uh, you know, from an inspection standpoint, it's it's moving uh, labor resource out of the routine task of inspection and pushing them down uh, the process to to be more of the first responder for when an anomaly has been detected, uh, which, you know, which frees up uh, that person to be doing other priority tasks while routine inspection tasks are still getting done. Nicholas, why should businesses pay attention to this technology? What are the benefits of incorporating autonomous operations into our everyday work streams? Well, you know, when you think about how the future way of work looks in the operations and maintenance space, uh, autonomous operations is going to play a key role. Uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount of efficiency, uh, precision, and repeatability that can be gained when inserting, you know, autonomous solutions and removing or limiting or shifting, you know, where the first human interaction takes place. Yeah, as a, you know, a global company that provides operations and maintenance solutions would you know, has to embrace this technology uh, and, and help customers understand and find the right balance between the value that this technology brings to the day-to-day -day operation space and how best to blend it uh, with existing, you know, customer operating strategies. Richard, what's your take? Um, so these days, people often talk about how important data is. Um, and so in the past, when it's just been the operators walking around visually inspecting um, there's a huge amount of data there that once they finish their inspection, it just gets thrown away. Um, so really what we're doing here is just creating this data, recording it, and creating a massive database um, that will have huge value um, going forward in terms of optimizing plants, um, increasing safety, and so forth. Oleg, any final thoughts? I'd like to talk about the actual human aspect of bringing robots into the facilities. Um, very often when we come to, to a plant with a robot, there are jokes about, hey, the robot came here to take your job. But in reality, the robots are changing the type of jobs that we're, we're, we're doing. Think of uh, the generation of our kids that are coming into the workforce. And this generation grew up playing Minecraft and video games, and they're super comfortable in the digital world 
where there are controlling agents that are exploring the realms of uh, you know, digital models. As we transition into more and more robots in the operations and we build the, the, the 3D models and representations of the equipment and the plants that contain all the information like uh, thermal data, acoustic data, the, the, the time history of data that Richard talked about, we also are making the, the, the jobs themselves more interesting, more exciting to the new digital generation that is coming into the workforce. We're making, we're opening the jobs that are typically taken by men to women uh, as well, because we, we're going away from uh, donning steel-toed boots and hard hats, even though many women do that. But we, we're, we're, we're just making, we're just bringing excitement to, to the workplace. We're bringing the future to the workplace. So by, by incorporating robots into the teams, by building digital representation of plants, we're making the job more exciting to the new generation. And that brings us to the close of the first episode of our energy security series, where we uncovered how autonomous operations is transforming maintenance and optimization. If you would like to connect with today's guests or explore related insights, please visit us at woodplc.com forward slash podcast, where you can also subscribe and receive updates to the Wood Podcast. You can hear more from Nicholas, Richard, and Oleg at the upcoming Offshore Technology Conference in Houston, where they will be sharing the results of their pilot program during a technical session and demonstrating how the robots operate on the show floor. At Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, making the impossible possible. Thank you for joining us today.